The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 27th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Devastating. For 59 minutes and 59 seconds Saturday, Notre Dame had the look of a top-notch contender for 2023 glory. And then gut punch. The Irish lost. And a critical coaching issue that left just 10 men on the field for the biggest two plays in, oh, 20 or so years is the obvious culprit. So post-game, Ryan Day got to puff out his chest and be jubilant. Marcus Freeman had to gut his way through a difficult media appearance and then go back to his office and soul search. Alabama 2012, Clemson 2018, Alabama 2021. When the final tallies came in from all of those matchups, let's face it, Notre Dame wasn't one of college football's cool kids. But last Saturday night, things looked different. Notre Dame passed the eye test. Notre Dame belonged and even outplayed Ohio State right up until the painful last seconds. Okay now. There's a lot of football left to be played in 2023, and a fairly quick redemption is possible. If the Irish navigate challenges on the road against Duke and Louisville the next two weeks, then another opportunity to get back in the CFP conversation will present itself on October 14th, 2023, against the men of Troy. Win the next two and then beat USC, and you, Notre Dame fan, will have a whole new joyful mindset. Notre Dame has a lot left to play for in 2023. An 11-1 Notre Dame team whose only loss was by an eyelash to a highly ranked football team will either be in or deep into the conversation to play in the college football playoff. Because conventional wisdom in college football has for a long time said that if you're going to lose one, lose it in September, lose it close, and lose it to a pretty good football team. Well, check, check, and check. So, don't count the Irish out because a three-game road to redemption starts this week against the 4-0 Duke Blue Devils. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, now with locations in Illinois, Leo, DuPont Roads, and in Georgetown Square. Guadalupe's food made fresh. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's the next generation of light beer. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. 
Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! Flight by Yingling is the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Howell. Well, Tim Priester, to paraphrase an old Tom Hanks movie, there is no crying in journalism. <laughs> so why did I feel like crying last Saturday night? And how did you feel post-game? That was a tough one. Yeah, I mean, we we all try to be objective about our jobs, but uh, having grown up in this environment, I was pretty devastated, <laughs> Phil, to be, to be honest with you. I mean, you've... You know, you 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 play these games against Ohio State. They haven't really competed with them since they they start playing them again in 1995. There had been five games, and they they really hadn't competed with them. And Notre Dame not only went toe to toe with Ohio State, but they were for the most part the better team last Saturday. So you know that's really frustrating. And and the way they lost, it obviously, was a game that they were in a position to win and close out and should have, and they didn't do it. And they didn't do it in spectacular. I put spectacular in quotes, <laughs> spectacular fashion by, um, you know, one of the, one of the mistakes was the 10 men on the field defensively. So, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, Nordane would be sitting in the top five right now. The country would be talking about how Nordane outplayed Ohio state and, and beat them at home, but it, it didn't happen. So, you have to pick up the pieces. Uh, Duke will not catch Notre Dame by surprise because of it. But, yeah, you know, for those of us that have followed this very closely and had a vested interest in it, last Saturday was difficult to take. We were so close. When I say we, I, I still – I've tried to drum that out of my own vocabulary as a, as a journalist. But, yeah, I mean, you and I grew up in this, and it's good for our business when Notre Dame does well. And – um, we've seen this team develop. We really thought this was the time, and it was to be so close, that's tough to take. Uh, okay, well, let's back to being objective, as we always are here. Let's talk about the last five minutes of this really a remarkable game. The Irish take over uh, with about five minutes to go at their own 11, and up, up at that point, 14 to, 14 to 10. Uh, they pass for a fir- on the first down. They get a first down on, on first down. Uh, then the next play, Audric Estime runs for 11, another first down. Uh, at that point, things are rolling. The clock is rolling a little bit, and then things fall apart. First of all, why did Estime come out of the lineup at that point? Down the stretch, don't, don't you go with your best players? Did the Irish outthink themselves on, on taking him out and, and trying some different things? Well, um, I mean, that, that's legitimate. And, you know, first of all, Sam Hartman turns the wrong way on a handoff on first down, which is, I don't know why that, I don't know why that happened at that stage of the game, but he did. So that put them behind the chains at second and 15. Now, um, Jared Parker wants to end the game and he thinks he has a play that's going to end the game. 
and that play is a screen pass to Jadarian Price. That's a reason not to have Estime in the game on that particular play. We can second guess it, and I, and I certainly get that because if you run it, then the clock is either going to run or Ohio State is going to have to use a timeout. Uh, but he dialed it up. He thought that that would win the game, and if you see the way it was blocked, it would have. But he didn't get the he didn't get the football over Tui Maloa, uh, who picked off two passes like that last year and went the distance with him. So, you know, poor execution. You can second guess the call. That's why Estime wasn't in on the on the screen pass. And then on third and fifteen, it doesn't make sense to have him in in that situation either. So I don't fault that too much. Um, I give Jared Parker credit for having the courage in the fifth game as Notre Dame's offensive coordinator to say, this is the play to run. This play is going to work because uh, Sam Hartman's completing 80% of his screen passes to his running backs. And, and essentially that will end the game if you complete the pass and he runs 20 yards with it. So, you know, Parker went, that's my long answer to it. No, it's good. And Parker went for the kill shot there and I don't blame him for that. And that's was a play that Audrick estimate wasn't going to be in them. Should Audrick estimate just have been handed the ball on first down instead of the play that put the Irish behind the chains when, uh, when, when Hartman ended up losing five yards. I don't know. Maybe uh, we've seen in years past, though, the Irish in that situation where the offensive line seems to be wearing down the defensive line, just hand the ball off and just will their way down the field. That's kind of what I was hoping for. And I'm a genius in hindsight, no question about it. Okay, Irish end up having to punt the ball back to Ohio State. There's a minute and 26 seconds left on the clock. And Ohio State is 65 yards away. By the way, you and I are corralled down in the far end zone watching watching those plays go away from us. So we're just watching it up on the big screen. We don't have a, a tremendous view in that regard. And you could kind of feel this thing getting dicey. Ohio State makes progress. Notre Dame makes a couple of good plays, but they do what they got to do to keep the chains moving. And we get to third and 19 from the 22-yard line. All right, here's the question, the hindsight question of the of the day. and Well, actually, there's a couple of them, and this is one of them. Why did the Irish drop eight on that play? They had been having success bringing pressure. Well, I mean, it was really the first time all day that they had had consistent pressure. And, you you know, you wanted to you'd, – you'd like that pressure to continue because you still have a young quarterback who has not handled the pressure very well the last couple throws – uh, but they don't bring pressure. And so in so doing, you're dropping eight, and you would like to have, I think, some kind of combination of man and zone. You know, you man up with the two studs that you know that they have at receiver and and zone up. And then one of the issues with it, Phil, was that, that they could get a first down at the three, and then, of course, the end zone is is three, or the goal line is three yards away. And I think it looked like Ramon Henderson, one of the safeties, was kind of playing the end zone as opposed to the first down marker. And so the pass was completed. I, you know, I, I, I don't think that, that, you know, that's one of those things I can, I can see Jared Parker's screen pass call. I have a hard time seeing Al Golden's drop eight in third and 19. Um, I mean, just being honest with you, that that's, that was my feeling about it at the time. Um, they, they, again, they had put pressure on the quarterback. They needed pressure on the quarterback. 
and they didn't get it, and it all fell apart at that point. Well, Kyle McCord's going to be a good one, and uh, he was able to pick the Irish apart when he was given time. He could he could find the open receiver, and he certainly did on that play. He wasn't under pressure. Uh, now, the the final question that we have to deal with, and, and by the way, I found talking about this this week, it's been a bit cathartic. It's made me feel better, though. So take us through what we do know about why there were only 10 defenders on the field on the last two plays. Who was supposed to be out there if we know? Why wasn't he out there? And, well, whose fault is it? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that we can answer that, Phil. For for one one main reason is that they had remained in nickel uh, on the first play, um, you know, in the shadow of the goal line. And, and, and it made sense since – since McCord threw the football to Harrison. At that point, <laughs> I'm not sure why you stay in nickel. Maybe you didn't feel like you could, you know, you could get the personnel in there that you wanted, but the rules allow for you to do that. Uh once the opposing team, the the opposing offense makes changes in the lineup. You know, at the, who should have been in the lineup? I had speculated Gabe Rubio, but I don't think that that was correct, especially if they were if they were a nickel, uh, Jordan Botello was not in there. I, I, I've got to believe that Jordan Botello was the guy that should have been in there, um, you know, in, in that situation. I, that That's a little less clear, but to have 10 men on the field for back-to-back plays is just an epic blunder. I don't necessarily put that on L. Golden. He has entrusted that responsibility to the support staff. Marcus Freeman said something about, you know, the coaches have to coach, which tells you that the support staff may have gone into cheerleader mode at that point, as opposed to staying in in coach mode and making sure that his job was was handled. But it's a blunder uh, as a head coach. Ultimately, it's it's Marcus Freeman's fault. But you sure would like the people around you to uh, maintain their responsibilities with the game on the line, including probably Jordan Botello as well. Well, I, and I understand that uh, already there we know that Marcus Freeman has implemented a new process that would allow for a signal from the sideline to the field to, hey, we don't have a timeout here. You need to go off sides or do something, make contact so that we can get this stopped so we can get another player in there. Uh, that's growth uh, in your in your coaching uh, and a lesson uh, learned in the most devastating of fashion. Uh, Tim, uh, overall, though, the Irish matched up really well. In fact, I would say they dominated. Let's let's focus on the trenches here. The Notre Dame offensive line during uh, against the Ohio State front seven. I thought the Irish played really well in the trenches. And uh, how about Rocco Spindler? He's played played a really good game. I, I thought he was sensational. You know, just trying to focus on the offensive line go, going over the game. I didn't have I didn't have nearly the feel for that in person because it's difficult. But when you go over the film, Rocco Spindler was was so physical and so consistent and threw so many quality blocks. I mean, I, I, I would I would say that he threw more quality blocks than anybody on the offensive line on Saturday. Now, I don't you don't watch Joe Alt as closely because you know he's so good and consistent, but the unit worked really well together. And the and the breakthrough for, for Spindler, 
his biggest problem had been pass blocking and talking to Zeke Zeke Corral this past Tuesday, he flat out said it was the best game that Spindler had played, particularly in how he had handled his, his pass blocking responsibility. So look, the running backs carried it 33 times for 176 yards. That's 5.3 yards per carry. There have only been seven teams that have had a better yards per carry and more yards than Notre Dame had against Ohio State in the last four or five years. I think it was four. I know I think it was five years that I figured it out. It was a great performance by Notre Dame's offensive line. I don't know that, you know, dominate. I think dominate is what Notre Dame's offensive line did to Clemson's defensive line last year. But controlled, outplayed, absolutely. And um, the offensive line deserved a W on Saturday night. Yeah, they did. And I'll take outplayed against Ohio State anytime. No, no doubt about that. I think that offensive line is going to be the key the rest of the way. They have uh, developed in the fashion that we thought they might before the season. Morrison and Hart, corners for Notre Dame, they played well. They kept Ohio State out of the end zone. 21 of 37 passing for Ohio State. Are they the best two duo that uh, at cornerback that the Irish have had in how many years? 20 or so? It's a really, really good one. I don't I don't know how I would rank that right now, Phil. I, I, we don't see Cam Hart make as many plays on the ball when you talk about great cornerbacks. I think Cam Hart's <laughs> – the best thing that Cam Hart does is that he prompts quarterbacks to avoid throwing in his direction. Benjamin Morrison was – was fantastic. I mean, he 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 made plays. He they did a variety of things on Marvin Harrison Jr., which I think is smart. You need to continue to mix it up. Morrison got most of those reps against Harrison. They were really good. Emeka Abuka is, <laughs> you know, I've been saying all week. You 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 have to defend every square inch of the field to to keep up with him because they'll get him the football in a variety of ways. And so he had a big game, but they Nordin really contained Harrison. They did a great job on Julian Fleming, who I thought um, is a really good third receiver. I love Cade Stover. It's it's so difficult. Those four guys right there, it's almost impossible to stop all four of those guys. And Stover had a big day, just like Nordame's Mitchell Evans did at tight end. But by and large, Nordame did a really quality job. I agree with you. Uh, uh, McCord is going to be an outstanding quarterback and unfortunately played some of his best football in the last four minutes. Indeed, but the key thing there is the Irish matched up extremely well against arguably the best receiving core in the country. Tim, two quick hits before we wrap this one up. First of all, what is your sense of how this team rebounds emotionally after the devastating loss? Uh, My sense is they rebound very well. Um, The comparisons or the suggestion that that Nerday might fall into the trap they did last year after they lost to Ohio State and uh, this is a completely different team. I think the coaching staff is different. I think Marcus Freeman is very different. Um, you know, besides the fact of the disastrous end of the game, I, I I wrote this today and I believe it. I I have more confidence in Marcus Freeman, the head coach, post Ohio State than I did pre Ohio State. And I realize there is a massive, tremendous, embarrassing gaffe included in that. But I think that Marcus Freeman is the kind of guy that has proven on a fairly regular basis that he gets he makes improvements and he gets better when mistakes are made. It's a tough one to have to endure, uh, but I believe that. I, I think this will make him a better coach. 
Okay, and one more quick hit. If the Irish do rebound, Tim, and I think they will, I think they're going to come out as an angry team this week. Would an 11-1 Notre Dame team make it to the playoffs? It's hard for me to treat that like a quick hit, Phil, because there are so many teams right now that are undefeated that could stay undefeated. Let's postpone the answer of that here for a couple weeks. Well, I think they would be in the conversation no matter what. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 387th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sheer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Back to the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. While at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman went 1-1 one one in two games against Duke. In each of those games, he threw three touchdown passes and for 347 and 402 yards. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Flight by Yingling. It's the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass. Raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The 11th ranked Irish are on the road against number 17 and 4-0 Duke this week. TV coverage on ABC starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, Vanderbilt, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned. We share your boating passion. This season, we are focusing on the best defensive players of the last 20 years. So far, we've talked about Harrison Smith, Manti Teo, and last week, Jalen Smith. This week, another linebacker, and like Jalen Smith, he hailed from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Drew Tranquil was a four-star recruit in 2014 out of Carroll High School. He starred on both sides of the ball in high school During his senior season there, he made 75 tackles, including 16 for loss, to go with four sacks. And on offense, he totaled nearly 1,800 yards rushing and receiving and scored an amazing 33 touchdowns. A June arrival on campus in 2014, he made an immediate impression 
when he arrived in tremendous condition. He played in the first 11 games of the season as a safety and had three starts. His season, however, ended in Game 11 with a torn ACL that he suffered while returning an interception. Tranquil took a dogged approach to rehab and recovery from that injury, and in time for the 2015 season, he was back and better than ever. Then, in Week 3, the Irish had a big matchup against number 14, Georgia Tech, and it happened again. While celebrating a big stop just before halftime, another torn ACL, this time the other knee. Talk about bad luck. Tranquil again set the standard for recovery and rehab and was full go just a few months later for spring practice. The typical nine-month rehab process took him four months. Team-wise, 2016 was a long one as the Irish struggled to 4-8. But Drew played well on his two surgically repaired knees and had 79 tackles, second best on the team. For Tranquil's senior season in 2017, he was even better. Elected as a captain, new defensive coordinator Mike Elko moved him to the rover position, and he flourished. The Irish rolled to 10 wins, and Tranquil notched 85 tackles, including 10 for loss. Considered ready now for the NFL, Tranquil decided to come back for a graduate season in 2018. Now a two-time captain, he was the heart and soul of a team that battled to a 12-0 regular season. Tranquil was a warrior, playing with a broken hand half the season and assorted other injuries. He notched 75 tackles, three and a half sacks, and another nine tackles for loss. After the season, he was awarded the prestigious Werfel Trophy, an award given annually to the college football player who best combines community service with athletic and academic achievement. He then went on to be drafted in the fourth round of the 2019 draft by the L.A. Chargers, and he currently is a situational starter with the Kansas City Chiefs. Tim, Drew Tranquil was great on the field, but the story behind that story with the injuries, being a two-time captain, and his academics and community service is every bit as impressive. I can't express to you, Phil, how much respect I have for Drew Drew Tranquil, the, the, the person as well as football player. I, I probably stay in contact with him as much as any of the former players or the recent former players, I should say. Yeah, I mean, just just an, uh, a, a, a great leader, uh, tough as – I mean, you mentioned his comebacks from from uh, ACL injuries. It, it's no coincidence that he comes back faster than everybody else. Quality football player, quality human being, Christian man, tremendous respect – for Drew Tranquil and a great representative of the University of Notre Dame. No doubt. And in 2022, this was last season, he led the San Diego Chargers in tackles with 146 and also notched five sacks and 10 tackles for loss. That's pretty good play in the NFL. Drew Tranquil, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish Victory. Duke is 4-0. They're ranked 17th in this week's AP poll. Last week, they took care of winless UConn 41-7. They pulled off one of the biggest surprises of Week 1 when they defeated Clemson 28-7. ND defensive coordinator for one season in 2018, Mike Elko took over this program in 2022, and the Blue Devils have shown significant improvement since. Duke had gone 2-9 in 2020 and 3-9 in 2021, Last year, Elko turned things around immediately to 9-4. and four. 
6'4", 212-pound junior cornerback Riley Leonard is a dual-threat guy who last year emerged as one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC. Thus far in 2023, he's completing 67.7% of his passes good for 778 yards, but has only thrown two touchdown passes against no interceptions. And through four games, he has rushed for another 248 yards and another score. Leonard's primary receivers are a pair of upperclassmen in Jalen Calhoun and converted quarterback Jordan Moore. Each has 20 catches on the year. Running the ball so far in 2023 is where the Blue Devils have really made their money. As a team, they average 5.6 yards per carry and 200.5 yards per game, the 27th best mark in the nation. Along with their running quarterback, 6-foot, 220-pound senior Jordan Waters is the top rusher with 39 carries for 258 yards and 7 touchdowns. Mike Elko cut his teeth as a defensive coordinator, so it should not come as a big surprise that Duke has been really tough to score on in 2023. They're currently fourth nationally in allowing just 8.8 points per game. And Duke has not allowed a point to be scored on them in the second half this season. Against Clemson, their talented secondary limited Cabe Klubnick to just 209 yards on 43 attempts. Of note, Duke's punter Porter Wilson, a monster at 6'5", 231, is tops in the nation with a net average of 48.8 yards. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory, and how might turnovers play a role in all of this? Well, turnovers are very key, and Mike Elko's won 13 out of 17 games that he's coached at at Duke, which tells you a lot about him because they had only won six times in the previous two years. But turnovers are really have been the key to Mike Elko's career as a defensive coordinator first and now as a head coach. In the four years before he got to Duke, Duke was a minus 44 in turnover margin, which is just unfathomable. And then last year, all of a sudden, Duke is plus 16. So they do a really good job of protecting the football, and obviously they do a great job of forcing turnovers. Those previous four years, they averaged turning over the football 16 times a year. They had 26 forced turnovers last year. They're a plus five this year. I'm throwing a bunch of numbers out there, Phil, but – The turnover margin uh, has been the key to Mike Elko's uh, career, again, both as a defensive coordinator and now as a head coach. Well, protect the football, and the Irish have been pretty good at that this year, but uh, another challenge, a big challenge this week against Mike Elko's Duke team. So protect the football, that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? I'm going to go to the other side of the football field because Notre Dame's situation, we're going to get into injuries here, I know, in a minute. But Notre Dame's situation at wide receiver is uh, uh, has been reduced significantly due to injuries. So, you know, I, I, it's been difficult to score points against Duke, but I think Notre Dame's a little bit of a different animal with their offense. And Sam Hartman, I think you'll see the football in the air a little bit more than what the game plan was for Ohio State Last week, so I'm looking at a duo, Phil. I'm looking at Chris Tyree, who will take on a bigger role at the wide receiver position. And then I think freshman Jaden Jaden Greathouse will have a big game because he's capable and because Notre Dame needs him to because they're a little banged up at the wide receiver position. They are indeed. Uh, all three of the starters, I think they were three of the start or three out of the top four anyway from the 
week one are injured, and we're going to talk about that some more in just a few seconds. Jaden Greathouse and Chris Tyree need to step up, and they are your Aspen Mortgage key Irish players this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into game six? The three most experienced wide receivers on the roster going into the season were Jaden Thomas, who is the leader of the wideouts, and then Matt Salerno, you know, a role player, and Deion Colsey, uh, who did some good things late last year and, and had a good start against Navy. All three of those players are out. Matt Salerno has a lower leg break. Deion Colsey had uh, his knee scoped on Thursday of this week. And Jaden Thomas is nursing a hamstring injury with the possibility of playing, but very unlikely. So that's why we're looking at some of these other receivers. Eli Raritan is not back yet at tight end. Gabe Rubio at defensive tackle is. He played against Ohio State, and that's key. And Nolan Ziegler, who has been out all season uh, for personal reasons, is not going to play in this game. But I just wanted to mention him because he is back on the practice field, uh, whether he'll play this year, it would probably be more like a special teams uh, four games to preserve a year of eligibility. But other than the wide receivers, they're in pretty good shape. Well, difficulties at the wide receiver position, so freshmen are going to have to step up, and Chris Tyree as well. But good news on Eli Raritan. Uh, he can add uh, another dimension to that tight end room. And linebacker Nolan Ziegler, uh, Expected to be a, a key depth piece at that linebacker core. Yes, yeah, Phil, let me clarify with Raritan. He will still be out this week. They're hopeful that perhaps he's ready to contribute against Louisville. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous IrishIllustrated.com prediction brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by five and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? I find this to be a difficult game to handicap, Phil, uh, partly because Notre Dame's coming off of a tough loss, which you know I think in, in this instance is in their favor. Duke at home, game day, a full house of just 40,004 is what Wallace Wade Stadium holds. It's just really hard to know right now how well Duke matches up against Notre Dame. I know they had the big game against Clemson, but they gave up 29 first downs to Clemson. And if you look at the stats, I think we've mentioned this before, the stats heavily favored Clemson, but they turned it over multiple times in the red zone. And Duke won the football game. But, look, we know Mike Elko's a really good coach. Uh, Tyler Santucci has been with him as the uh, defensive coordinator. He was with uh, with Elko at Notre Dame as a graduate assistant. I like their quarterback, Riley Leonard. Uh, and he's got a couple weapons at, at, at uh, wide receiver. Their defensive line, Jamion uh, Franklin, a former Notre Dame player, is a nose tackle for them. They've got some players and they know how to play the game. But ultimately, I think over 60 minutes, and since this is no longer a trap game for Notre Dame because they know that Duke is big time and their season's on the line here, I think over the course of 60 minutes, 
Notre Dame has some success offensively. Not sure how to gauge how much success Duke will have offensively themselves. The numbers I have settled upon, Phil, are Notre Dame 34, Duke 23. Notre Dame 34, Duke 23. That is Tim Priester's world-famous irishillustrated.com prediction. And, and Tim, I think the Irish are going to handle the emotions of the tough loss. I think they might benefit from it. I think they're going to come out as an angry football team, and that makes them a dangerous football team. Duke is solid across the board, but the quality of the Clemson win is a bit deceiving, and the rest of the schedule they've faced hasn't been all that strong. The Irish will get back that winning feeling. Notre Dame 27, Duke 20. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.